Richardson. Stopped by Platt. Here's Steve Bold. And it's Adams. Put through by Bold. Would you believe it? That sums it all up. Greetings, everyone. And welcome back to another episode of That Sums It All Up. It's crazy to think that we're almost in December. International breaks are out of the way. We've got some serious football festivities coming up, so it's time to dive into some much-needed football discussion. Today's show, we've got Johnny back with us. It's crazy to think that the last time we were on the podcast, I think it was just before the Brentford game, um, you know, we've all, we've all been busy. I've been in my getting busy with my final year of university. Johnny started his new job, so... You know, we haven't had loads of time to chat and catch up about things Arsenal football related. But today we found some time. Um, it seemed like quite a good time to have a little catch up about all things Arsenal, the Premier League and what's going on in the wider football world. So let's welcome back onto the show, Mr. Johnny Rosen. Good evening, Johnny. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. We were we were just discussing off air how busy life is at the moment. I can't believe it's been that long since we last caught up. I think, did we do one more recently? Maybe um, after the City game? Or was it before the Brentford game? I can't remember. Honestly, I can't remember. No, I think... Maybe. Was- when, when, we were, when we were about to get relegated, we might have done one. Yeah, it was definitely... It was before the Brentford game that I remember having our last conversation. We may have done one just after those first three games. You know, the mini relegating relegation season um just while we're on that i mean i do think it's ridiculous i don't know about you but i found it quite uh find it quite fr- quite frustrating to observe the you know the catastrophizing of the way we started the season i know it was terrible but everyone was losing their losing their minds over the way we started it and saying that we were going to get relegated and arsenal fans were literally just completely fed up and I just thought you know what there are there are mitigating circumstances to the start of our season and you know we hadn't the the transfer window hadn't closed at that point we were still integrating various players so I was very much like we just need a tiny bit of time I I found it quite frustrating to see how quickly people were willing to sort of give up but I guess it was that's just a testament to sort of the underlying undercurrent of being frustrated at Arsenal and you know, Arteta's, you know, bad period last year. I don't know what you made of the starts of the season and the reaction to it. I think looking back on it, we can very easily sort of compartmentalise those first three games and just say, look, that, that was literally half the team we have now. Also a COVID-ridden squad. And we were playing the Brentford aside. We also played the two best teams in Europe, in my opinion. I mean, two Champions League finals from earlier this year. So I didn't expect us to get any points against Chelsea or City. I expect I, I expected us to lose both those games. Mm. Fine, I expected us to sort of do a bit better against Brentford. But how many players had COVID that game? I mean, Bamming and Lacazette missed missed the um, game through COVID, but Ben White tested positive later and he had a terrible game. Do you think he probably had the early, probably definitely had the early effects of, uh, mm. of the virus during the Brentford game? I reckon a few other players did. Everything was up in the air. You look at our squad then, Balogun, Martinelli, Leno, 
Um, was Klasnach on in the on the bench or involved? Marie, Pablo Marie, Rob Holding. Oh, yeah, Holding was on the bench. Pablo Marie. I mean, it's just a different team. It's a yeah. completely different team. But and and the players that actually did play really well for Arsenal that game, which weren't many, but Smith Rowe was the best player on the pitch mm. against Brentford. Completely ran the game, and I thought I remember watching it. I was like, "Well, he looks really good. Tierney looked good." Lo and behold, who's been for me our player of the season so far? Smith Rowe been been amazing. I absolutely fallen in love with him even more than I did, or you know, cared to admit. He's just a fantastic, fantastic talent, mm. and as well as he looks like a great guy. But so I, I think it was a bit sort of catastrophic and sensationalist our our reaction and also the wider sort of football community's reaction to our start to the season it needed to be taken with a pinch of salt and look we've seen since then we're on the longest unbeaten run out of any team in the league with a form team do I think we'll get a result at Anfield tomorrow definitely not definitely not but you know we also were never going to get relegated so swings and roundabouts, really. Absolutely. I think, yeah, just before we get into what's been going on um, in the football world just now, I think it's, yeah, it's crazy to think at the way we started the season. Um, and, you know, before those three games, we hadn't signed Aaron Ramsdale. Ben White was, you know, he was unwell with COVID and you can't really expect him to come into a team that was so, you know, um, I mean, it was constructed by players that, no one wants to see around the club anymore. You know, do you remember the back five at, at Manchester City? It, it was laughable. It was Cedric, Callum Chambers, Rob Holding and Kalasinac, um, and Pablo Marie or something like that. I mean... And Bernd Leno. And Bernd Leno. It's like, well, you know, and then Xhaka got sent off. And it's just like, that is nowhere near where we are now because of the players we've signed, because of the momentum we've built. And... I think that's what upset me at the beginning of the season, that everyone was so willing to write everything off and disregard the mitigating circumstances and not hold on to the fact that, you know, this was not what our season was going to be like. But look, I'm so glad that we managed to get through that sticky, sticky patch and, you know, things are looking looking good. But before we before we start on a on a bit more of an in-depth discussion on that, let's just um put ourselves in in the context of where we are now so obviously international break um which obviously is very dull normally and for me i think it does provide this break from the premier league and football in general which i know a lot of people don't like but you know the excitement that i feel on you know we're recording on the friday evening before the games kick off tomorrow with chelsea leicester i'm really excited for the premier league to return so i guess it's sort of a nice thing um england had a couple of i think it was two or three two games uh and harry kane scored seven goals or something which i've got absolutely no interest in seeing but from an arsenal point of view it was lovely to see Obviously, Bakaya Saka is sort of well-established now in the England setup, but Smith-Rowe made his debut, um, got the late call-up uh, because of an injury to, I can't remember who it was exactly. And Rashford. Rashford or, mm, might have been Rashford. 
And then he made his first start. He got a goal. And then Aaron Ramsdale made his first start as well. So there were three yeah. England players starting, three Arsenal players starting for England against San Marino. Um, hopefully Ben White will make the cut soon as well. But it's exciting, isn't it? Because we haven't had sort of players in the England setup, and not just England players in the setup, but really promising young, talented players. I, you know, I'm not thinking of maybe you know, the Theo Walcotts and Danny Welbecks, as good as players as they were, this is something different. These are really young players who are very much part of the, the national setup and it, and it does fill you with pride. And I don't know, I, I was wondering if you watched any of the games or how you feel about seeing three Arsenal players representing England. I, I actually liked it a lot more than I thought I would. And it was quite a nostalgic feeling. I, I didn't really realise how long it had been since we were properly involved with the England setup on a club level. And it's really sort of been six, seven years since the days of Wilshire, Oxley, Chamberlain, Gibbs. You know, all, pairs were always having call-ups, but, you know, Walcott, Oxley, Chamberlain, Gibbs and Wilshire were really central tenants of that England squad between 2012 and 2015. Callum Chambers got the old call-up. I think Carl Jenkinson even got a call-up at one point. But, which probably says more about, you mm. know, Hodgson than anyone else. But it was it was nice. I didn't watch the Albania game, but I watched, I watched the San Marino game because I actually saw all three of our boys were starting. And so I made, and I knew there'd be goals. So I was like, let's just watch it. I had nothing better to do. And it was... It was really enjoyable. It's great to see Saka. He's now scored in three consecutive games for England. Smith Rhodes, come on, scored a great, was started, scored a great goal. And Ramsdale, I mean, look, he's going to have more challenging days as an England goalkeeper. But I think, I, I think out of everyone, that position is really there for him mm. to take and reclaim uh, as England's number one. It's been a long time since, since, um, since the days of David Seaman. And since the days that you know we had an Arsenal and England number one, but I do think it might not be before the Qatar World Cup. It might be after, but I think by the next Euros, Ramsdale will firmly be England's number one, and I would be surprised if Saka and Smith Rowe, now they've started to establish themselves in the setup, don't maintain their positions. Uh, and Ben White, in due course, I think, you know, is having a much better season than Tyrone Mings and Connor Cody. Not, mm. I, I think he's a better player than definitely Connor Cody. Tyrone Mings is a different sort of defender but and is very good in his own right. But Ben White's been fantastic, really, since he came in. So, yeah, it, it's really nice having those guys involved and it does make you more connected to the England setup because I definitely drifted away from it. I don't know about you for a while and the other thing i'd mention is i do think it's a good indicator of how the club is doing it sounds obvious to say but i always remember you know really falling away from england because you know pochettino's spurs team always had sort of four or five players whether it's winks deli ali kane dyer they were always in that england team walker rose they had like six seven players even in the squad and so it's good to see our boys get their chance and I think it will help them progress as well. Absolutely. Yeah, I think when you also compare, you know, you see those three players, Saka, Smith, Rowe and Ramsdale, 
and hopefully Ben White. I mean, I agree with you. Ben White is is certainly, I mean, we're probably a bit biased, but, you know, he started yeah. the season really strongly after that initial difficulty, but that was for the whole team. He's been really excellent defensively and on the ball, and he's still so young. And I think he's got so much potential that without a doubt, you know, English centre-backs, uh, we don't have too many options of the mould of Ben White. I know John Stones, you could probably compare him to. John Stones, you know, he has started playing a bit more for Manchester City, but, you know, you've got Connor Cody and Tyrone Mings. They're not long-term options. Uh, Harry Maguire sort of, yeah, he's a, he's a staple part of that back line. Ben White's, you know, tw- what is he, 23? He's... He should be looking to nail down that starting centre-back role. And then you've got, crazily, you've got perhaps Ramsdale claiming that goalkeeper spot and then Ben White as the centre-back. You know, it's crazy to think that that could be the future, the sort of defensive platform from which England are building. And they're part of the Arsenal setup. And not only that, were they, were the club like seriously um, criticised and sort of mocked for spending so much money on uh Ramsdale and Ben White during the summer but it looks as if those were really smart investments and I think seeing Saka and Smith Rowe integrated into the squad as well whether they're going to play you know all the time because there's so much attacking talent in those positions but again because they're so young and they've been integrated at such an early stage you know there's a future there's a path for them into that squad and I think again just the characters of these players that have come through you know, Sakharov Smith Rowe from Hale End, and then Ramsdale's obviously becoming quickly becoming a sort of cult hero for Arsenal. Yeah. It's great that those guys will reflect, you know, the club and the characteristics and traits that we want to, you know, uh, to define us. So I think it's really exciting, and I think, you know, we had I think it was thirteen players representing their countries from the club during this international break. I remember for the last few years and during the summer, there are about three or four. So again, it's a reflection of upping the quality of the players in our squad. And we've been saying it for so long. And they're also young and it's a different calibre of player. So in that sense, the international break, as much as I didn't really engage with it, it was good to see that sort of thing happening. Um, the only slight concerns we have internet from the international break, I mean, Thomas Party was unable to travel uh, to link up the Ghana squad. He's, I don't know, that I think he will play against Liverpool, but he, Arteta was rather coy about it in his press conference today. Pierre and Kabamyang did go to Gabon. He scored a penalty, very nice for them, um, and then returned early and apparently it wasn't planned and Arteta was, again, quite coy. He said that he'd have to assess both of them. So I'm sure that we will be hoping for them to return uh, to return in time for the for the Liverpool game on Saturday. Um, was there anything else that you wanted to add just on the international break and, and Arsenal players before we get into sort of just assessing where we are as a team right now um, before heading into the Liverpool clash? Not much. Just going off of what you were saying, completely agree with it in the sense that seeing all our players get uh, call-ups was was really promising. But also what, you know, to factor into that, like you said 13 players were called up to their respective national sides. Bar Ben White, all five of our new, all the other five of our new signings 
were all called up. And obviously they weren't asked for players sort of this time last year or over the summer during the Euros. So they wouldn't have been, you know, recognised as obviously Arsenal players when they were when they were called up then. Tommy Asu with um Japan or Tavares with it's not Portugal's first team, but the under 21s. Odegaard's obviously the Norwegian captain. So it's makes a difference when you're bringing in players who already sort of have some international pedigree to a certain extent. Although I did see Cedric got a call up to Portugal, which I always I always find fairly confusing. I saw him training and posted on Twitter something. I think he got a call up to Portugal squad. Surely not. Let me double check that. But I, I think I think you might have had uh, a lovely dream about that. To be honest, I don't. I mean, maybe I do, I do find myself dreaming about Cedric quite a lot. <laughs> so I might, you might be right. But um, I'll double check that while we go on. I, I think he. I saw he tweeted something. He finds a way, Cedric. He finds a way. Fun. He finds a way. Um, yeah. Well, look. I think. Certainly, the it was important for Arsenal to win the game against Watford before the international break, just to continue that feel-good factor during the pause and hopefully take it into the Liverpool game. Again, as you said before, it's not like we've fared particularly well at Anfield for the last few years. Liverpool are a very good side. I'm not really expecting too much. But, you know, we are in a, a stronger position, perhaps, than we have been for a while you know we're still a young team we're still not quite hitting those underlying metrics in a really convincing way but you know we're unbeaten in our last 10 in all competitions with a technically the form team in the league we have recorded some impressive wins and avoided some losses which at the time were criticized quite heavily but then you think about who we drew to you know we drew to Crystal Palace who are having a great season under Patrick Vieira, obviously winning at the Etihad 2-0. Uh, they got a draw at Anfield as well. Um, they're sort of one of the best defensive teams in the league too. And then Brighton, who held Liverpool to a draw, and they're also a very good side. So it sort of does reflect the strength of the rest of the Premier League and perhaps those uh, those games against, you know, well-drilled, experienced teams against a a less well-drilled, perhaps inexperienced team, because we're, we are the youngest side in the league on average. Um, but all the new signings have integrated really well, which I think we we noted before, but it's such a positive to see. And, and, and the type of players, you know, all young, as you were saying, all representing their countries, all got a, a certain characteristic, a leadership trait. You know, you think of Albert Samuel, Samuel Lekonga, captaining and elect beforehand he's just got called up to you know the Belgian squad recently for the first time Erdegaard captain um, Tavares integrating into the Portuguese setup I mean Tavares has been absolutely sensational I think since he's come in for Kieran Tierney there's definitely yeah. a debate to be had perhaps whether I mean I think Kieran Tierney will come back in but you know Tavares would be unfortunate to lose his place um and the blending of experience and youth looks as if it's working better than it was last year. Um, and yeah, as, as, as a reward for our good form, we're, we're fifth in the table. So what is your general assessment of, of where Arsenal are at the moment? Um, 
And obviously you were saying that Smith Rose stood out for you, but yeah, give us your general impressions of, of the side and, and the work that we're doing at the moment. I mean, I'm really encouraged by everything we've been doing. I think it obviously, I mean, Arteta's constantly talking about a process and we do need to recognise how that process has evolved. There's a clear, and you know, Arteta's come out and said it, Edu said it, Kroenke came out and said it, Josh, that is, there is a clear strategy here to invest in sort of either, yeah, it's sort of our academy and simultaneously young, very bright players who have an international pedigree, like you were saying with Lukonga also breaking into the uh, the Belgian setup. And it, that's a really encouraging route to take. We're not in a position where we can spend, you know, 50 million on three or four different players. We've got to be clever. We've got to sort of outsmart the market. And, that, and it really does start with recruitment. And it looks like we've got, for the first time in a long time, a recruitment bang on this summer. And it is a cohesive coherent approach and now it's about consistency on and off the pitch for me can we be consistent in our performances don't need to win every game we're not going to win every game I think we'll probably lose fairly convincingly tomorrow as it happens because Liverpool have the best player in the world right now and they're an incredible team Anfield's an incredibly difficult place to go but can we if it's nil-nil at halftime or we're one-nil down at halftime, I'll be very pleased. Mm. Because that's something we haven't done for a long time at Anfield or the Etihad, is actually go into these games in the second half with the opposition thinking, well, actually, we need to be playing our A game here in case they we can't let them have a chance. They get back into it. It's, it's one all, or they go one-nil up. But I am encouraged. But yeah, it's, for me, it's about consistency on the pitch and off the pitch. Can we consistently now recruit to the same standard and degree that we did over the summer? Mm. Can we begin to consistently um, sell well as well as a club? I think um, selling Joe Willock for £20 million pounds was, you know, look at it now, it was 25 in the end, was a very mm. good deal. He's done very little at Newcastle. Um, there's, you know, Fiorentina want to sign Torreira on a permanent deal. I think we've agreed a fee of 15 million euros for him. It's not the best fee, but, you know, all the markets have been impacted by the pandemic and all the leagues have been. So while I'm encouraged, I do want to see us maintain this um, level of performance on and off the pitch over a longer period than, say, three months. Mm. But I think we both would have jumped at being fifth sort of going into December or end of November, given the fact that this time last season, I think we were sitting 16th in the league. And you and I will remember very well, it was sort of backs to the wall. What is this project happening? What, where are we going with Arteta? We, Pepe wasn't getting a look in. I mean, you and I personally, we were watching a lot of the games together in Edinburgh at the time. We were just sort of astounded by how badly wrong everything seemed to be going. So when we sort of zoom out and look at how things have evolved in a year, you have to be encouraged, don't you? 
Yeah, absolutely. And I think a big part of that encouragement is that the club have identified how they can slowly start to strengthen, you know, the the dynamic between fans and players and and the club by investing in in younger talent and and not sort of looking for these short-term fixes in the market that are mistakes. And I think, you know, William is obviously a big mistake, but at least they acknowledged it and and got rid of him sort of as soon as as soon as they f- possibly could. Um, but yeah, identifying that this was the project, this is the youth project, this is what fans can get behind. There will need to be a bit more patience. Um, there will be times, look, if we if we you know revert to to not winning any of the next five games or something like that, then the questions will arise straight away. I don't think the foundation is solid enough to sort of um to withstand pressure at the moment, but I think it's encouraging to see that we might be on our way to developing a side that's capable of of putting together a consistent run of performances that when things get tough, it's easy to stick together and you can come back from a loss and and that's what we need to start doing. Um, I think let's just, as we were talking about Emil Smith-Rowe earlier today, earlier today, earlier in the show, he has started the season exceptionally and as we saw last year, you know, you could sort of, you could sort of really uh, attribute our improvement of performances to when he came into the side at Christmas time. I mean, it's crazy to think that he's not even yet reached, I think, 50 first team games for Arsenal. And, you know, he's already got his England call up. He's scored, I think, seven goals in all competitions this season. He's shooting more. He's creating more chances. He's, you know, he's receiving so many plaudits. Uh, he's being caught, you know, thrown into the limelight. And he, he seems a very humble, sort of just very young player. Um, how lovely is it to see him sort of break through in a way that, you know, we sort of only recently saw with Bukayo Saka and to see them do it together. I think it's so lovely to see, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's really amazing. And they are the two sort of poster boys for this project and the stars of our squad. I mean, I know that Aubameyang and Party are really top class players, but... They're, they're the future of Arsenal Football Club. You mix in a bit of Martinelli and Gabriel and White, but it's it's Saka and Smith-Rowe. And they're, they've been sort of, you know, nothing short of astonishing, their, their rises, both of them. But Smith-Rowe, I think, in particular, deserves a lot of credit because he's come through slightly more obstacles than Saka. I think Saka was always sort of, sounded out as this could be generational talent in the academy. He's not, he didn't suffer from injuries in the way that Smith Rowe did. Broke through under Emery. I mean, I remember him scoring that sort of cracking goal against Frankfurt from outside the box. Mm. What was only sort of second Arsenal appearance and was just, just sort of took everything in his stride from there. And although he's actually younger than Smith Rowe, I think he comes across a lot older and more mature and sort of wiser mm. the way that he holds himself. Smith Rowe, despite being a year older, is more sort of immature, not in a bad way, but just... In, in a physical life. sense and experience-wise, yeah. But I do think if you look at Smith Rowe's career, I mean, he was playing... I remember him scoring a fantastic goal against Atletico Madrid in pre-season 
God, it would have been 2017, so sort of four years ago. And then he was had injuries. He went to Leipzig and he never got a look in at Leipzig because he had injuries and didn't settle well. Went to Huddersfield, got some good game time, but came back injuries and really was start stopping. It could have gone the complete other way for Smith Rowe. We could have been talking about sort of another Akpom or something or Benekophobia and, you know, bit of luck plays into it but you know since boxing day he's probably been yeah if not our most one of our top three most important players and it's it's just it's great to see it's exactly what Arsenal Football Club are about absolutely and I think it's such a source of pride obviously when we see the young players coming through the academy and we've started to see reap the rewards of you know the 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 strength of Hale and you know, selling Iwobi a few years ago, selling Joe Willock, who both contributed decently to the side, and then we chose to sell them at the right time. You know, we've got Ainsley Maitland-Niles, who is looking like he will play a part this season, which is quite nice to see. Um, but then we've got these these two players, Saka and Smith Rowe, who are just so they're, they're so unique in the fact that they are so young and so inexperienced in inverted commas. Yet they are taking everything in their stride. They're so humble. They've got the call up to the England squad, and they are re- almost, you know, reminding everyone of of Arsenal Football Club as a, as a as a place that produces these these exceptional talents of uh, you know of attacking flair and you know just understanding of the game and maturity on the ball and that can score goals and create. And I think it's so important, and we're so lucky to see that because I think it really puts us back in touch with you know the 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 identity of the club and I think that's a big thing um that you know we've lost for a long time and I think it's so lovely to see them coming through and being appreciated by everyone else as well now because you know for a long time even just before the Euros when Saka was uh, not sure whether he was going to make the squad a lot of people didn't really watch Saka that much because Arsenal had sort of fallen down in in the league and now people are starting to, after him being playing a, a big part in England's road to the Euros final, people recognise him as a great player. Um, Smith Rowe as well, like they're getting the, the credentials and the merit that they deserve. And it's, it, it's nice to see Arsenal sort of move back to that, slowly starting to move back to that position of, of um, a place that young talent can thrive and we can put out a competitive side. I think it's so nice after so long of of uh you know almost walking sleepwalking into into decline which brings us nicely on to um sort of the i mean not not in a derogatory sense but the Arsene Wenger sort of news and and uh all the press and film release that's been going on recently um his the documentary Arsene Wenger Invincible I think comes out next week I'm very excited to watch it um he also did the night at David Dean at London Palladium which I don't think you were able to go to, unfortunately. But was there anything that caught your eye in terms of, you know, there's been so much press and and um, interview content about um, the film and a lot of content about um, who was attending the the night at the Palladium with David Dean. Um, anything that you, anything that caught your eye in terms of that? 
they're, they're, you're right, there's been a lot of content and it's also been sort of slightly skewed because it's all under the banner of Arsene Wenger. But there's been the Palladium content and then stuff with David Dean and then the Invincible content, the documentary and the premiere. And it's all sort of merged into one. And because I haven't seen the documentary, I've been sort of trying to avoid it. Mm. And I think I've ended up listening to sort of not that they were bad interviews, they were really good, interesting interviews, but th- sort of three or four of the same interview. Yeah, yeah. With yeah. one guy that produced... Gabriel. Um, the documentary, Gabriel, that's it. With, one was with Arsenal Vision, and one was with Handbrake Off, and one was with Arsblog. And it was great content, but it was just like so much of the same thing, and I sort mm. of ended up sort of toning half of it out. Yeah, my I would have loved to go to the Palladium event. I've mentioned to you off air, my dad and uncle actually both had tickets to go, um, but decided against it after showing up and seeing how packed it was because they're both slightly older and they were, you know, rightfully just worried a bit about their health given the pandemic. And I think they just gave their tickets to two Arsenal fans who happened to be passing by. Um, which Lucky was fans. <laughs> nice of them and nice for the fans. But it looked like a very good turnout. I haven't, I haven't watched it. I know it was on BT Sport. I haven't had time to sort of go back. No, same. Um, but I think it's interesting. I, I will definitely watch the documentary when it comes out, whether that's in a cinema or just on my sort of TV or laptop. I'm in, really interested to see it. Not... From a drum, not really because I don't know what happens. We all know sort of the plot of Wenger's time as Arsenal manager, but from a sort of cinematic perspective, he it wasn't shot by Arsenal fans, and it will be interesting to see how Wenger is cast. And I know there is some very interesting behind the scenes footage, which is was was archive footage, and none of us have really seen it before. So it will be interesting, but. Look, I wasn't keeping up with it that much because of the reasons I just mentioned. Yeah, yeah. Same, to be honest. Um, I think, yeah, I'm excited to watch it as well. Like you, I haven't had the time to try and watch The uh, the Night with David Dean as well, but I, I, I intend to because I think it, it seemed like quite a good evening and apparently there were some funny anecdotes and it would be good to see all the sort of ex-Arsenal players there. It was great to see all the sort of interviews with, Mikel Arteta being there and there were photos of him and Wenger together which were really nice and Arteta you know quotes surfacing around his his open invite of to Arsene Wenger back to the club and I think that's also addressed in the film I mean the documentary as well Patrick Vieira being there too and apparently he was just given the, the most uh he, he, the reception he was given when he his name was announced was second to none and I think that's a testament to the regard with which we hold him in, but also, you know, how good a job he's doing at Crystal Palace. So I think there's so many things that were going on in that regard. And I think it also, you know, I was quite excited to read Wenger's uh, autobiography or book or whatever it was. And I, I enjoyed it to an extent, but a lot of people didn't enjoy it. And it didn't go into a lot of the stuff that perhaps we wanted to find out um, and go into the true feelings of, you know, things that didn't go so well. Um in the Wenger era, but yeah, I just wanted to, I wanted to uh, mention that there's a lot going on. I also wanted to ask you, you're obviously based in London these days. Have you managed to get, you've been to the Emirates a couple of times this season, have you? 
Yeah, I've been. I was literally just thinking about this. Last game I was at was the win, the three-one win against Villa. Mm. So well, that was probably about a month or so ago. I've missed. I've missed more games than I would have hoped, or would have liked. I should say. I I didn't go to the Watford game because I I think I was actually playing football myself that Sunday and couldn't mm. get back in time. And then I didn't go to. Crystal Palace because I actually it was a Monday night and I couldn't really be bothered as mm. bad as that sounds. But no, the last game I went to was was the was the Villa game, which was a great game. Mm. Been to a few other games this season. Been to the North London derby. Been to the Norwich game. Yeah, the Norwich game where we won one nil. But I think those are the only games I've been to so far this season. I'm very interested in going to the women's Barcelona game though on December the 9th. I've been looking at tickets for that over the last few days. I'm, I'm yeah, I mean, I, I might go on my own or, if, you know, whoever's in London, if, if I can get my dad or a cousin or a friend, mm. I, they'd want to come, but it's very cheap tickets. And yeah, I'm, I'm watching a lot. I don't know if you have, but I've been lot, watching quite a bit of the women's team this year because we're doing better and Edevel's doing a very good job and we've got some fantastic players. It's been quite enjoyable. Yeah, no, I've I've definitely noticed a lot more, um, a lot more people taking more note of what the women's team are doing, um, just all over the, the sort of news channels and you know on Ask Blog and the Athletic. There is more coverage of the women's game, and I can't say that I've watched too much of it, but I'm certainly more aware of of um, you know the state of affairs for, on the women's game compared to perhaps last year or something like that. And uh, yeah, I mean, I think if definitely if I was back in London, I don't think I'm quite back then, but if I was back, I think I'd definitely try and go to that game because it's obviously at the Emirates and it's against Barcelona and Champions League. How long has it been since we've been to a Champions League night? <laughs> um, but yeah, I just wanted to ask you about the Emirates just because I'm, I mean, I'm hopeful. Uh, I think I'm going hopefully to the, to the West Ham game. So I'm really excited to go. Um, it's been a long time and of course we're, we're going to try and go at some point together when we can find a date um, but yeah it's just I'm sure it's been really nice for you to be back at the Emirates and I've heard the atmosphere at points has been really electric in that Aston Villa game um, yeah. just even in the sort of tighter affairs as well the celebrations of the equalizers and you know the tight games against Norwich and uh, Watford as well I think even just building that that relationship yeah. back up with the fans and the players and the club, I think is really important. Um, no, definitely. I would, I would say that obviously the Emirates isn't renowned for being the most atmospheric of stadiums. It had, it definitely had its moments. The, you know, Arsharpen against Barcelona, the Henri goal against Leeds, Welbeck against Leicester, but there's sort of pockets of moments every season or so. What I would say is from the few games I've been to this season, there's been a great atmosphere consistently. I mean, you, that Norwich game, we were playing off the back of three losses. We weren't, we were playing well, but we weren't dominating. But I tell you what, we, the fans were singing nonstop. We won the game 1 0, could have been 2 0, could have been 2 1, whatever. But we were just very supportive of Arteta and the team. And there, there was very little agitation in the crowd, which was important. And it's allowed, I think, us to build on that because for, I think it's probably the best atmosphere consistently over a period of time the Emirates has experienced. And there's no doubt that the pandemic pause has played into that because 
I mean, I wasn't really expecting to be as nostalgic and as sort of almost emotional going back to the Emirates this season, having missed it for nearly two years, as I was. On top of that, they're doing, I think, the buy one, get one free uh, pint at the Emirates, which definitely helps if you if you drink before the game. And so it all, it's all tied in very nicely together and it's coincided with a good run of form, which is the main sort of variable is can you actually get a result and play well? And if you can, atmosphere will be better. But it's been it's been really enjoyable, actually, the game for the season, other, other than the queuing. The queuing is definitely noticeably worse. I know you've probably heard this from, from other people as well. But yeah, it, you know, it, there's always going to be rather it's the cues and the results. Yeah, um, definitely. Yeah. Um, well, let's move on quickly to talking just briefly about the Premier League as a whole and what's been going on. I've really enjoyed this season so far. I don't know about you. Um, as much as I enjoyed last year on the basis that every game was on TV and there were lots of football to watch because of the pandemic and not loads was going on in life. This year I found I've still watched a decent amount of football. I've managed to watch most of the Arsenal games, um, but I found myself watching match of the day a bit more because I try and not watch all the three o'clock games. And it's nice to sort of, you know, watch the good games that are on selected for TV broadcast and then, you know, have a different sort of engagement that's not so, uh, I don't know, easily accessible. I quite like that fact. I don't know about you, but, you know, loads has been going on in the league. There's been some really good games um, and there's been all sorts going on um, in terms of managerial changes. I mean, this international break, which is renowned for being the sort of uh, the axe-wielding managerial um, break, and Aston Villa obviously parted company with Dean Smith. He joined Norwich and then Steven Gerrard left Rangers to become the Villa manager. So I think that's a really interesting appointment. Um, and then Newcastle, obviously, we haven't touched on the takeover, but I think that's, you know, uh, so much <laughs> to talk about there. It's uh, a whole other podcast. Yeah, exactly. And uh, maybe we'll do that at one point. But they've got Eddie Howen, which I think is a, a suitable appointment for their current predicament. Then obviously Spurs pointed Antonio Conte after Nuno Espirito Santos sacking Watford, brought in Claudio Ranieri. So it's very exciting. All these really sort of uh, well-renowned, um, uh, tactic, tactic, tactically adept managers coming into the league. Um, yeah, so you just want to have a word on on sort of the the strength and and of of the uh, Premier League and and all these managerial changes. Definitely. I mean, I'll go back to what you said just now, though, about sort of the accessibility of the games and sort of comparing this season with last season. I thought I was loving last season at the time because every there was a game literally every day. Couldn't go 24 hours without watching either Premier League or European football. But when I look back on it now, I think, well, did I actually enjoy that? Or was there just nothing else for us to do because of the state of society due, due to the pandemic? we were just sort of put in this sort of hamster wheel of ongoing repetitive football. And actually the games sort of became a bit monotonous and cynical. Mm. And it was just, it all blended into itself. 
Whereas I found myself this season, you know, it's a Friday. I'm more excited for the weekend to watch the football mm. conferences. I'm sort of like, right, this is going to be fun. The weekend's here and there's more, there's more to look forward to. And it, it definitely helps that I think the season started really interestingly. No doubt, you know, City, Liverpool and Chelsea are, are the three best teams in the league. But actually West Ham have been brilliant and they're right up there and the, the table doesn't lie. Out of nowhere, we've already spoken how we've sort of come back from 20th to 5th in two and a half months and are now look, two points off top four. You know, we go ahead of Liverpool if we win, but let's, let's not be unrealistic. And, uh, and it, it, it's a really competitive league. And actually, the, those managerial changes you mentioned only add to it and they only make things more interesting. I think, some, I think there's already been as many sackings this season as there were in the entirety of last season. Mm. So it says something about the fact fans are back in the stadium, pressure's sort of kicked up another notch and clubs are having to be decisive again. I'm really surprised uh, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer hasn't been fired. Very, very surprised. Not because I don't think he's a good manager. And I know I'm going off on a bit of a tangent here, but I just don't think he's good enough for that squad. He's got a world-class squad and actually they made a mistake there by not getting Conte in. No. But it was, yeah, massively. And I, now they're talking about getting Brendan Rodgers in. And it, it's interesting. Leicester, I think, have started poorly. There's a lot, there's a lot that's happening. Uh, all, well, not all of the promoted teams, but Brentford have come up and, you know, they've been pretty competitive until the last few games. It's been, it's been really good. And I'm, I'm hoping it maintains. We're where you go end of December through to March and it's it's non-stop. There's no international breaks, the Christmas period. Bring it on. I'm really, really excited for this period. It's, it's, I think it's, for most football fans, it's sort of our favourite time of the year. So it's great. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. And I think it's it's been really nice to see. I mean, from an Arsenal point of view, I think maybe that contributes to it as well. We don't have those Europa League games on a Thursday and I know we all want to be in playing European football, but I think that also makes you know, the anticipation of the weekend a bit more exciting. Like you, I think it's nice to to look forward to a game as a spectacle in itself and not have, you know, not sort of have so much football to watch that the novelty is reduced. And I think it's nice that that's kind of returned this year. Um, but yeah, I've loved this season. I think just on Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, I mean, obviously everyone knows that he should not, be in the job but at the same time it's almost not surprising like I'm not surprised that he's still there because of the way in which Manchester United are run I'm also pleased at the fact that he didn't go to Manchester United because you know they would have got a good manager um, and the fact that he's gone to Spurs doesn't you know that they, they, there is an upside to that but I also know that he'll be there for a maximum of say two to three years he is a win now coach and look I think there's only a max there's only so much maybe he can do touch wood with that Spurs side. I know he'll get the best out of Kane and Son probably, but I'm not too worried in terms of I'm more, which is a testament to sort of the the strength of the Arsenal project. In in my opinion is that I'm not worried about what other teams are doing. I can get on board with what we're doing. And I think for so long, we've been worried about what everyone else is doing and trying to keep up with everyone. I think the club were also 
showing that that was their sort of undoing. They they were trying to keep up with everyone else, whereas actually we really need to just look at ourselves and start focusing on what we needed and the position that we were in. Um, yeah, but as you were saying, West Ham have been excellent. They've been a big, big part of, of the enjoyment of this season. I mean, Mohamed Salah, as you mentioned earlier, best player in the world at, at the current moment in time. Um, he's been at nothing short of sensational. Um, you know, the goals he scored against Manchester United and Manchester City and another one which he scored, which was absolutely sensational against Watford, I think it was. Um, Manchester United as a spectacle as well. Obviously, the whole Ronaldo factor and that not quite going so well and getting smacked by Liverpool. There's been so much going on. And I think just having fans back around and it being less intense from a viewer point of view, I think has really contributed to my enjoyment. Um, and yeah, I'm so excited for the for the festive festive season. It's not going to feel as intense maybe as it did last year, just when you're watching every single game on a Saturday, you're watching the 12.30, the 3, the 5.30 and the 8 o'clock. And then there's four games on a Sunday as well. It's just, it's too much. It saturates your 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 enjoyment of, of the game. So I am excited, even though Arsenal's festive schedule is looking a bit more tough perhaps than uh, the last few games. But we'll get on to that. I just want to preview now um, the Liverpool game. So we're recording on the Friday and uh, we're playing Liverpool at the five 5.30 tomorrow. And again, it's like, I'm really excited to watch the game regardless of whether it goes well, just because it's been a while since Arsenal have played and we're in good run of form. Um, what do you make of, yeah, how do you see the game going into it? Um, we'll, you can touch on Liverpool's form um, and we, we'll, we'll think about who we think might start and what we do and don't want to see. Um, yeah, so give us your general impression. It's weird because I keep thinking about Liverpool as a as a sort of opponent and the, their form coming into it. And I guess the thing an international break does do is it sort of wipes everyone's form clean to an extent. Not to say that we haven't been on good form and we won't be on good form, but it's more like there's been a nearly two-week break and actually, as we sort of ha- saw with losing our first three games and then going into an international break, and then kicking on from there, it does give you that opportunity. And so that, although I want to be like, well, Liverpool weren't in the best of form because what they they threw away a two goal lead to Brighton and then they lost three two to West Ham. They also scored five goals against Diego Simeone's Atletico Madrid team over two games and beat United five nil at Old Trafford. So I can't really try and. I try and sort of justify that they weren't in the greatest form, but but they 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 they've they've been in great form probably for the last three years. Sort of the odd patch of bad form every now and then, and I think it will be it will be our first real test because the City and the Chelsea games, as we've spoken about, it, it was practically a different team, and they weren't tests. We were just bowled over from sort of minute one. I'm hopeful. I'm hoping that this is a test, and that this tests our new team—a team with a proper back five. Party. I think. I think Party will play. I know we mentioned injuries earlier. I don't know about Bam Yank. He's obviously being assessed, but um, but it will be a really, really strong test, and it will be good for our young team to experience. You know, Anfield. It'll be dark. It'll be cold. It's a November evening. And 
look, I'm not expecting us to get anything from the game. I think they're I think they're better than us man for man in all 11 positions basically. But I would just be I would just be blown away if we could come away with a respectable result. If it's not if we're not playing for pride with 60 minutes to go because mm. it's been like that so often. I think it's just about taking a fight to them and maintaining it. Yeah, definitely. I think that's what I want to see as well. Um, that we we don't turn up to Anfield and concede one in the first five, ten minutes and then a second. We stay in the game. We we try and hurt them because I think so many times in these big games with Manchester City and Liverpool, we sort of invite them onto us and try and hit on the counter and we don't really go for it. And I guess the worry is that the damage would be so great that you know, we just get blown away by the attacking threat of Liverpool. And I know there's a there's a difficult balance to strike, but you know, Liverpool are, have been conceding goals. Um, we've got we've got a direct, pacey sort of attack at the moment that is capable of of uh, you know hurting on the counter attack and stuff. And I really want us to to try and give it a go as well as you know retaining that solid defensive foundation that we've seen over the last sort of couple of months. Um, and I think. You know, with Aaron Ramsdale and Ben White in the team, I think the upgrade in that regard to, you know, say Bernd Leno and I know David Louise was there last year and he he could do a lot of the stuff that Ben White does. But I think both of those players, hopefully, you know, it might still be too early for them to go to Anfield and produce, you know, complete masterclasses, but they they have the capacity to to hold us in the game from a technical point of view. And I think so many of our players, you know, I was thinking today about whether, you know, we want to go on the counter-attack, maybe Pepe starts, but there's no chance that Pepe plays because we've also got these players up up front that that can really hold the ball. I mean, Aubameyang, not so much, but Saka and Smith-Rowe's capacity to receive the ball and, and, and retain possession, they're such like complete players. I think that is what I want to see. I want to see a more complete performance where you know, the the strengths of our team and of our players come through and we give Liverpool a bit of a test because, as you said before, recently at Anfield and at the Etihad and even when Liverpool comes to the Emirates, it's just, it's a, it's a walkover. Like, we we don't put up a fight or we, we just try and sit in and have, like, one chance or something like that. Um, so that's what I'd like to see. But who do you think is going to be in the starting lineup then? Um, just before, yeah. I think it will be a very similar lineup to the the Watford game. I think the only changes will be I think Tierney will start because I think defensively he's slightly more solid and experienced than Tavares, and you know that's Mo Salah's side. So I mean, in a way, it wouldn't shock me if he if Arteta did go for something crazy like sort of a back three of Tierney, Gabriel, White, and then had Tavares as a wing back to just really solidify that um, space where Salah and Trent will be looking to sort of do the most damage. Mm. But I think that's unlikely. It's, it's, it's definitely an option, but I do think it's unlikely. I think we'll see the sort of 4-2-3-1 we've seen most of the season, which is also a blended 4-4-2. Um, in possession with Lacazette. Uh, I, I think Party will come in for Maitland-Niles and yet Tierney will come in for Tavares and the, the rest will be 
the same. Gabriel White, Ramsdale, Tomiyasu, mm. uh, Smith Rowe, Saka, Aubameyang, Laka. Yeah. And it's a good team. It's, 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 it's definitely a good team. It's a much better team than we've had for a while. Definitely. And I think also, you know, it's nice to know that we actually have as much as Tim might come back into the team. You know, I remember, I recall Tierney struggling quite a lot. I mean, I know Salah's excellent, but Tierney tends to struggle against Salah when we play against them. I always seem to, I recall him, you know, just getting turned over. Um, I still think he's probably is more experienced than a better defender. Um, but, you know, it wouldn't, I wouldn't be too disheartened if, if Tavares remained his play, retained his place. Likewise, I, you know, I'd party fit, he starts and then, you know, you probably have Laconga in alongside him. But Maitland-Niles has definitely the attributes that you sort of want in the team against the Liverpool side. Um, you know, he's quick, he can win the ball, he's athletic, you can double him up on either side, perhaps. You know, if you were thinking of going to a back five, you're not necessarily going to play Tommy Asu as a wing back. Um, so I don't think he'll do that. I hope he stays to the back four and and keeps it sort of similar. But it's nice to know that we have those athletic, uh, dynamic options. Um, and that's that sort of characterises our team a bit more these days, which I think is what you need when you go to a place like Anfield. You need people who can move with the ball and and compete physically and, and absorb the atmosphere and the intensity with which Liverpool play. Um, so, yeah, exciting, I guess. Um, Definitely. I also think just I'm just on that briefly. Yeah. For the first time we've actually got a team that can compete sort of over sort of 10 to 20 yards with that Liverpool team and mm. in terms of pace. Lacazette sort of withstanding, but Smith Rowe, who is deceptively quick, Saka's quick, Abamyang, we know is very fast at the back. Gabriel and White are quick enough to keep up with Jota and Sacra and Mane over a short distance. Tommy Ass is also quick when we thought Tierney and Tavares, either of them are rapid. Party, Lokonga, these are, we, we've not got a Xhaka in the team or a Mari or a Kalaznach or a Chambers or someone, even a David Luiz, who's just slow on the turn, mm. slow on the sprint. Everyone's nimble, everyone's on their toes and over 10, 10 yards, we can compete with all of all of their players, and it makes a big difference because it means we can leave players sort of isolated one on one, and know that with a fi- it's a fifth, it's a fifty-fifty. Then it actually is a fifty-fifty, and it's not a sort of seventy-thirty because they've got the legs on us. Mm. Yeah, big time. And I think you know Liverpool's. Um, you know they have a couple of injuries maybe to contend with. We're not sure about Robertson, although I'm sure he'll he'll find a way and and start the game. Um, I think Jordan Henderson might be out, but it looks as if it could be a Fabinho, maybe Thiago, and perhaps even Oxley Chamberlain midfield. Um, I know they've sort of struggled in Wijnaldum's absence. Um, Firmino is obviously out. Jota always plays very well against us. Um, but, you know, Partey sort of being in, the ma- in that midfield, I think, would be really important. We remember... Um, remember his, his performance for Atletico Madrid at Anfield a few years ago. He played superbly. Um, I don't know if he actually played the um, this fixture last season. I don't think he had been signed yet, actually, um, when we lost 3-1 to them at Anfield. Remember, Lacazette got a really early bizarre goal and then Jota came on to make it 3-1. 
Um, but it was one of those games where we scored a lucky goal and then just sat back and didn't really do anything. But yeah. Oh, yeah. Was it September that, wasn't it? It was September yeah, it was 2020. Yeah, it was, it was very Parker early Parker on. Wouldn't have been signed. No, because Party was a deadline day signing. Yeah. And obviously, the window shut. I think it was mid, it was mid-October. Yeah. And then the, the game at the Emirates that we played against them, I think, you know, we were in the game for a bit, but then Jota got a couple of goals and I'm quite worried about him. He's he's turned into this guy that, you know, of, of Liverpool players, you remember Ryan Babble of old and he just always seems to do the damage against us. So I'm quite terrified of him, but I'd love to see us try and exploit their weaknesses. You know, Alisson looked shaky against West Ham. Um and, you know, we know that there's space in behind Trent, Alexander-Arnold, so it'd be good to see someone try and exploit that um, and maybe trying to compete in the midfield. But, you know, Ramsdale's going to have to be on his, on his game because we, we still sort of concede quite a few shots and Liverpool score a lot of goals and take a lot of shots and he's going to have to have a really good game. But I think that is, um, you know, we've seen that he can do that. So... Let's leave the Liverpool discussion there. And just before we finish for today, um, look ahead to the Christmas schedule that we're, we're so excited about. So we've got Liverpool. Um, that's the first of 10 games, I think, that we've got before the end of December and the turn of the year. So a lot of football to look forward to. Um, got Newcastle next Saturday at the Emirates, which I think looks like a good fixture on paper. Um, perhaps you'll be there. Maybe. Hopefully. Yeah. Um, and then we have, uh, we've got Old Trafford. Um, I think it's next Thursday evening or something like that. Uh, and then, or not next Thursday, the Thursday after, sorry. And then Everton away as well. So a couple of tricky games there. Um, it will be interesting. Again, United's such a big test. I know we won, we won that game 1-0 last year. It was one of the highlights of the season, really. Then we've got a couple of games in a row at the Emirates, Southampton, West Ham, Leeds away in the league, which would be tough. Then we've got Sunderland in the, is it the semi-finals of the Carabao Cup? Quarterfinals. Quarterfinals of the Carabao Cup. So again, that's a great tie. And I think that's something that we should be looking to, to win if we can this season with Man City out, who always win it. Um, and then Norwich on Boxing Day, Wolves, last game of the year before we face City at home on New Year's Day, I think it is. So a lot of football there and, and quite a, a varied run. We've got some, some decent games on paper there and some tough ones. But, you know, we, as we always say about every run, this will be a real test of sort of where we are as a, as a starting eleven and as a squad because, you know, we don't have European football, but we will need to rotate players in and out. And it will be good to see how maybe... You know, Nicola Pepe plays before he goes off to the Africa Cup of Nations with Aubameyang. We've also got that to contend with, which I think we'll leave as a discussion for now. But, you know, players will have a role to play. So how do you see, um, how do you see this sort of Christmas, this Christmas run and, and sort of what do, you, what do you want to see from it? Again, it's quite hard, I think, because there's so many games, basically as many games in that run as we've played already this season over the last three and a bit months to really put down what you expect and what you'd like to see. You do, and it is very cliche, but we do just have to take it game by game. There's, there's definitely, we know there's no easy game in the Premier League. And actually the run that we've just had, the post-Man City pre-Liverpool game run, if you want to term it in that phrase, you would have looked at that 
and never have thought that actually the games that troubled us more was would have been Palace and Norwich at home compared to Spurs at home and Leicester away, which were far more comfortable victories. I mean, we didn't even beat Palace at home. So you just don't know. I think mm. each game is unique and presents its own sort of creative test. Not like Newcastle at home is going to be a whole different game now with Eddie Howe and I'm sure he'll get Callum Wilson firing and some Maximum's very dangerous and they'll be, you know, doing everything they can to get out of those relegation zone places so they can recruit effectively in January. I just don't know. I think the only thing that we've got in our favour is we don't have European football during this period. So we will have a bit more recovery time over the next sort of fortnight while there's still group stage games in the Champions League and the Europa League and the Conference League going on, which will hopefully enable us to really kick on from that sort of early to mid-December period until New Year's Day, where it really doesn't stop. But the other thing is, if we beat Sunderland, which I am expecting us to do, we don't have that sort of two-week gap at the start of January or that week-and-a-half gap at the start of January, which most other clubs will have because we'll have the two-legged semi-final in the Carabao Cup and the FA Cup third round. So it could really go on a while. And I'm much more apprehensive and nervous for January than I am this period because we're losing a Bamiyang party, Pepe and El Nene. And, and that's going to be really tough because they're, I mean, look, El Nene less so, but Pepe is, is our 12th man. And, um, and Pate and Aubameyang are, are, the, are the dads of the squad. They're the focal leaders on the pitch in age and experience and technical ability. And I don't care who we're playing. I don't know what our pictures are in January, but I'm more worried about that already with their absence than I am for these fixtures coming up. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, it is exciting. It's exciting to have so much football yeah. ahead of us and a lot of them sort of spaced out and on TV and we can hopefully go to a few games. And, you know, as we say, this time last year, the Christmas period, this was, you know, the worst period of of our recent history. And in some regards, it was really, really tough watching. Um, and not a lot was going for us at all. And Every single game was a grueling experience, home and away. You know, you look back at some of the Bur the Burnley game and the Everton away, and it was just dreadful. And at least this season, you know, look, we're going to lose some of those games, but we in a we're in a stronger position, and we there is more room for um, fans are going to be more understanding of of losing some of these games because we're a bit younger. So. Is there anything that you want to you want to close on um, just before we, we leave it there for today? Because I think we, we need to finish up. No, I think we've had it's been a good pod. It's been a while. We should we got to start getting them in more regularly. Absolutely. But, uh, but no, yeah, I think all good. Up the gunners really for tomorrow. Fingers yeah. crossed. It's not as bad as I'm sort of imagining it to go. You yeah. can probably tell I'm not the most optimistic for tomorrow. But. Um, yeah, let's hope for the best and prepare for the worst. Absolutely. Um, yeah, well, I, I'm going to be watching it and I'm going to try and enjoy it. And I'm not expecting too much, but 
yeah, it would be nice if if it's a game that we can enjoy if we just compete in it a bit and and you know we're sort of present there. But look, we'll leave it there for today. Um, it's a pleasure as always, Johnny. Um, I know we're both busy at the moment, but as and when we can put out these pods, I think it's I really enjoy talking about this sort of stuff with you. And uh I think um yeah, it's lovely. So yeah, I appreciate your time. Um, and I'm sure we'll catch you again soon. Cheers, cheers. Thanks for having me on the pod. Likewise, I always enjoy it. Of course. Um, a quick reminder that you can find all the episodes of That Sums It All Up, um, albeit slightly less regularly uploaded on my Mixcloud. Um, that's www.mixcloud.com forward slash Alfie Steiner. You can also access all the shows via my Twitter page at Alfie Steiner One. You find Johnny on Twitter at Johnny Rosen One and be sure to follow transfer Football Transfer News on Facebook um, and Football Transfer News underscore official on Instagram. As always, thanks for listening. Exciting times ahead of the, the return of the Premier League. Enjoy your weekend and until next time, take care. Goodbye.